Good day, I'm Anne Dolenshek and you're listening to Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. In this episode, we're in conversation with Kirsten Wiggle, Social Lead at Mediacom South Africa. She's an experienced head of department with a demonstrated history of working in the marketing and advertising industry. Skilled in digital strategy, corporate communications, digital marketing, social media and integrated marketing. Grab a coffee as we discuss the evolution from when social media was a nice to have to a need to have. Influencer marketing, from only attending events and blogging to it being a media channel now. And the three elements that guide our influencer marketing approach. If you enjoy this podcast, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter that keeps you up to date with influencer news from around the world. Subscribe at the link in the show notes. This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salt have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influences. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good morning, Kirsten, and thank you so much for making time to join us on the podcast today. Before we get into our chat today, please can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what a typical day looks like for a social lead? Sure. Hi, Anne. Uh, firstly, thanks so much for having me today. Um, it's very exciting and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Uh, just a little bit about myself. So I'm currently the social lead um, at Mediacom South Africa uh, within the creative systems team. Um, so Mediacom has a separate department called creative systems and we handle anything that's not sort of media related. So any creative work, any social work, influencer work. Um, so I currently sit within that team. Without sounding too cliche, every day is very different um, for me. We we have general things that we'll do obviously every day. So I do team check-ins. Um, I check in on campaigns that are currently running, um, obviously making to-do lists for the day, for the week, prioritizing what needs to be done. There's a lot of reporting that generally needs to take place. And then probably just lots of meetings, calls, messages. We're obviously still working from home most of the time. So I'm usually hopping in and out of different calls and meetings, uh, replying to Teams messages, WhatsApp messages. So like I say, every day is quite different and it, it all depends on what's happening at that time. Don't you love that about like our industry, like advertising as a as a whole, like no day is the same, no client is the same. You can't really prep. You just like, you can't. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> you can't. You can kind of like, and as much as I have like a to-do list for the day, I know this is what I need to get done today. Things happen, um, things pop up, and you just, you can never really plan for what's going to happen each day. And yes, it's, I think it's, it, what's, it's what makes it exciting. Um, it can be nerve wracking sometimes as well because you have oh, yeah. no idea what the day is going to bring. But I think that's also the, the fun part in it is just every day you've got things to solve and things to, to figure out and do, um, which is probably the part that I enjoy the most. Absolutely. I think everyone who's, who's mad enough to work in our industry has to be some kind of adrenaline junkie at some point. <laughs> we, I, th I think we like live too much on adrenaline, to be yeah. honest. We kind of like, I, I know, like I've had moments where I, I look back and I'm just like, how did I get through that day? Or how did I yep. get through that week? <laughs> 
No, it's wonderful. Like I'd say, I mean, you go and you stress so much, but somehow things work out and you get everything done and then you're like, oh, that was amazing. On to the next. Yep. <laughs> so, Kirst, how did you actually find yourself working in social media? And I know the role has obviously evolved and changed a lot over the last, what's it, almost 10, 11 years that there was actually a job description for it, so to speak. Yeah. And how has that changed? What's the perception when you started versus now? Gosh, so I started my career in 2009 and I actually, I started it in traditional PR. So social media wasn't a thing then for brands. And I started, as I said, doing traditional PR. So it was obviously lots of press releases, lots of events, uh, working with journalists. And it slowly started involving some bloggers. So we had some bloggers that would be part of our media lists. And kind of as my career evolved, social media became important. Um, well, not, I don't want to say important. It was almost like a, should we try Facebook? Can the brand be on Facebook? What, what can we do? How do we use this? So I, I, I almost feel lucky enough to have been part of all of that and being able to be part of how brands started using social media. I know the, the very first brand that I was working on that actually started using Facebook was a, a TV channel on DSTV. And I remember at the time, like setting up the Facebook page for the brand, figuring out what we were going to do. Um, so I think, yeah, like I said, just being able to be part of that and be part of a couple of brands when they were first starting out on social media was such a, an awesome experience. We, we started to do, uh, like I said, bloggers uh, were, were part of the projects that we were working on. And then we started to look at like uh, a little bit of influencer marketing where we were working with celebs. And usually it was like event attendance. So we, were, we would be hosting an event and uh, we would have some celebs on our list of who we wanted to invite to those events. And that's kind of how I started working a little bit in the influencer marketing space. I've basically moved from 2009, starting in a, a traditional PR space to where I'm at now, where it's completely social media um, and obviously working very different with, with influencers now than I did back then. And yeah, it's kind of also moved from a Back then it was, should we try Facebook? What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Whereas now we're in a phase where it's, or in a space, should I say rather, where it's cool, which social media channel are we going to use? Which one's right for our brand? And what is our approach? Um, it's not really even a question anymore about whether we should or shouldn't. As I'm, as you're speaking, all I could think of is like, oh my gosh, I can't even remember a time where brand was like, should we be on social media? <laughs> should we be on Facebook? What do we do? Like yeah. you say, now it's a two, there's so many channels that it's literally figuring out which mm. one is best for your brand. It's not even question if you should be on it exactly and it's also like there's so many different ways you can do things so there's so many different types of content that you can create I mean I remember when we were first starting it was I don't even think we had the option to post an image back then I think it was just no, text whereas status. now it's, there's so many different types yeah <laughs> there's so many different types of con uh, content creative formats so many different ways to do things. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, and I think it's also a part of what makes it so exciting is it's changing every day and there's always new things to try. 
Absolutely. And even as you were saying, like back in the day, because I also started off in traditional PR. And just like you, we started getting requests to get bloggers at events. Mm. And that's how we also got into influence marketing. And it was, oh, who's the best bloggers? Who's the celebs? And it's also beautiful to have seen how that evolved, where Mm. obviously bloggers and celebs are still completely valid, but now we've got so many different tiers of influencers and niches and and just there's like a whole world out there that you can explore for your brands. For sure, for sure. Just just talking about the bloggers, I remember um, when we first started inviting bloggers to events or we first started kind of including them on media lists to receive product drops, I remember how excited I used to get seeing yeah. like this article that this blogger had done and like working out what the, the value of that article was um, and just how exciting that was when you kind of saw your first blog article coming out. It was the best. I remember that as well. And then you started having like really good relationships with these bloggers mm. and it was just fantastic for all brands involved and for them as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, they raised their, their profiles. And I think we also really, at that point, we really just kind of invited them as media and give them drafts. And now they're like content creators and yeah. they're paying for their skills. And it's actually beautiful. First, before you started working with influencers, what was your first impression of this channel? I know it wasn't even called influencer marketing back then. Um, <laughs> but how has your perception kind of shifted from, from then to, to what it is now? I think my perception then, and when I say then, like a, a couple of years back, was almost like it it was seen as like a nice to have, and it wasn't something that you had to use. It was it was almost like a it was something that you experimented with, and if you maybe had the the budget for it, you you would try it. And I think my perception before I fully started working in influencer marketing, I think my perception was all about. Oh, it's just for celebs and they're expensive and like I said it's a it's a nice to have uh, if you if you had some extra budget let's maybe play around with it and I think since then my perception has changed based on how the the industry has changed so it's not just about working with celebs and uh, inviting a celeb to an event or sending them a product. Uh, It's just my perception has changed so much because the the industry as a whole has changed so much. I think it's it's now seen as, uh, it's obviously seen as a media channel where it's almost something that you need to consider using, but obviously looking at how you use it for your brand. And I think my perception has changed because I've also seen over the last couple of years having working in the space is I've seen the return and I've received I've seen the impact that it's had on a business. So whether that's brand love or even brand sales, I've just been able to see the results and I've been able to see what it actually does for a brand and how it can help a brand. And I think it's also got to do with relevance. As as I mentioned earlier, um, in creative systems, one of our main things is all about relevance um, and how do we drive relevance? And that is so important. And I think that's what influencers are now. They are relevant. I, I was reading something the other day where I saw that I think it's now over 60% of people follow influencers online yeah. um, and over 60, 65% of people actually trust influencers and what they have to say. So I think relevance is is definitely important. And it's that's something um, that has also changed my perception, um, is just seeing how relevant they are to people. 
I think those are excellent points. And specifically you stating it's how you use influencers and, mm. and how you look at, at their content and what they can do for the brand. I think often still we fall into the pitfalls of um, some marketers thinking influencers and still thinking I want someone with like millions of followers because mm. they're going to be the most influential, number one not thinking of the relevance that they have to your brand or the audience that they're speaking to. Um, and then also just thinking, oh, we can just kind of script something for them and put it out there, mm. which is it's the biggest mistakes I, I generally see. So I think that the relevance is key here. Definitely, definitely. Um, and you, you spoke briefly about uh, content and it's not just about scripting some content for them right. and getting them to post it. I think that's probably one of the biggest learnings that I've had over the last couple of years is you can't really give that to them. You you yeah. have to give some creative freedom and allow them, They at the end of the day, they're a brand themselves. Um, so allowing them to create content that they know will resonate with their audience. For sure. And I think that is also where it becomes super, super important just to make sure that you are aligning the right influence with your brand so that they mm -hmm. share the same brand values, they're speaking to yeah. your right audiences, but also briefing them really, really in depth so that they Definitely. understand what the brand's about, what the campaign is about, what's those do's and don'ts. But then mm -hmm. within that, you, you absolutely have to give them freedom, 100% yeah. agree. Yeah. So at Mediacom, we know you guys do quite a few campaigns or quite a lot of influencer campaigns um, as part of your, your overall strategies. Can you maybe tell us a bit more of what your overall approach is when it comes to influencer marketing? Sure. So I think each campaign is different and we approach each campaign very differently. Um, and this is depending on what the objectives are, what the KPIs are, and of course, what the budget is um, for the campaign. So, so we do approach each campaign very differently. But most of our campaigns will usually be based on like three, I would say about three like key elements. Um, I think the one is definitely an insights or uh, data-led approach. So whether that is when it comes to choosing the, the influencers that we want to work with, uh, the type of content that we want them to create, the story we want them to tell, uh, those decisions are all made based on uh, an insight or, or the data that is available and the data that we're seeing. Uh, we also see influencers as a media channel, like I mentioned. So um, we we treat it like a media channel as well. And when I say we treat it like a media channel, we we buy on media metrics. So when we're promoting the influencer content, we're promoting for whatever it is, whether it's reach, uh, uh, views, leads, engagements. Um, so we're, we're, when we're promoting that content, we're buying on those metrics. So seeing it as a, a real media channel. And this has been really successful. We've seen some campaigns where we're getting up to, if not more than 20% more engagement and reach on content sure. because of that approach. And then lastly, the third one is all about the influencer storytelling. And this comes back to, to relevance and how we approach this is, making sure that the influencers are driving relevance and how do we do that with the content that they create? How do we brief them um, on the content that they need to create with relevance in mind? Um, so it's all about them uh, creating this content that's going to drive relevance uh, for their audiences. 
So that's usually our, our approach. Like I said, each approach is different, but all of our campaigns are based on those sort of three things. Those are like the three important things that we always make sure come through in our, our campaigns. Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. I love that you, your starting point is looking at an insight before you move forward because I feel like that is incredibly important to kind of steer you in a direction of a campaign as well. Definitely. Um, yeah, we need to know like what what is the the insight? Why are we doing this campaign? What are we wanting to achieve from this campaign? It's so important to have that as your foundation and um, your starting point for every campaign that you're going to run. Have you kind of seen a shift in how you guys approach or deal with influencer campaigns since the pandemic started? Because I know, you know, human behavior has changed so much almost practically overnight. How did you at MediaCom accommodate for that or shifted your strategies? Gosh, I think if anything, the last, I would say the last year, two years, we've actually done more influencer campaigns than we've <laughs> ever done before. Um, the need for them have has increased since the pandemic started. Um, and I think we've also seen so much growth and change on the, the different social media channels over the last like one to two years that we've had to change our approach slightly to our campaigns to incorporate that change. So it's things like the TikTok growth. Um, I think in the last, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like last year, the year before, TikTok saw a massive growth in South Africa from like 5 million users to about 9 million users, I think it was. And Instagram as well saw such a big growth. Um, I think they moved from like around 4 million to like 7 million users and it also introduced reels. So I think it's also um, all the changes that we've seen on the different social media channels has also impacted how we approach our campaigns. A couple of years ago, for example, TikTok wasn't even an option. Um, no. We wouldn't have the option to to have influencers create reels. So I think our approach has also changed based on those those things that are happening um, and the changes that are happening on social media channels. But yeah, like I said, if anything, um, the the need for influencer campaigns is is more now than it was two one to two years ago. For sure. It just it was always kind of expanding and then the pandemic hit and it just had its own little mini explosion within an explosion, yeah. which was very scary to see, but also very exciting. It was like all of a sudden, like, oh, everyone's pivoting to digital influences. Mm. What do we do? Which is great. And I think it's propelled us years in advance of what we would have been. So it's exciting. Yeah. It is exciting. Um and it's I think when you're putting together the brief or the campaign, um, it's exciting to to look at the different ways in which you can approach it. So the different yeah. types of content that you can brief them on, the different things that you can do. Um, so it is definitely exciting when when you're busy doing that as well. You know, it comes back to you no know, two days are the same. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> definitely, and and no two campaigns are the same. No, um, you you approach each campaign so differently. Um, so yeah, there, there's no sort of like template that you can use for each of your campaigns each one has to be approached so differently but I think as long as you like you say you have that key insight you have that data behind what you're doing then you can you definitely have a good foundation to build a good campaign 
for sure. So do you guys still see clients that are still skeptical about influencer marketing? Um, we do. Uh, like I said, uh, in the last like one to two years, uh, the need for, for influencer campaigns and wanting to try influencer campaigns has definitely increased. But I think we, we, while we're doing it for, for most of our clients at the moment, we, we do still have one or two where it's not, it's not it's it's more of a case of should we should we do it we want to try it but how do we do it so it's definitely a consideration and it's something that is at the top of their minds it's just how how do we do it and and should we be doing it what do you what's their biggest concerns really I think the biggest concerns would probably be the first one, the risk to the brand. Um, I think a lot of clients are still a little bit worried about that. And rightfully so. Um, you you can't control everything that an influencer is going to no. say or post. Uh, you obviously contract them for your campaign for a certain time. But what they do after that, you can't control that. And I think that's probably the one concern that clients have is just the risk and what it what it could potentially mean for their brand if something had to happen um and i think that comes down to just uh also when when you are choosing your influencers making sure that you're doing thorough research on what they've done in the past obviously brands that they've worked on things that they've maybe said on their channels uh or what they've aligned themselves to so i would say that's probably the one concern that has come up and then roi um i think as much as we can show the value and we can show what you're going to get from that campaign i think it's really how you present those results and showing that I mean, now I think we can almost guarantee results from influencer campaigns where we never used to be able to do that. So I think it's just being able to have that up front and showing the clients that we are able to to show some kind of return and explaining how that return works and what it is. So I would say those are the, the two concerns that have come up, but there's definitely ways in which we we can avoid not av avoids maybe not the right word but two two ways in which we can actually approach those two concerns no for sure and i agree with you and it's interesting that you say those are the two concerns that you have because that's what we hear all the time as well so i think mm. education is still really important in this field yeah. to your point it's a it's very valid of them to be scared of a reputational risk mm. um purely because you can't control human behavior unfortunately exactly, <laughs> exactly. and you never know what's going to come up tomorrow or the next day. Um, yeah. you, you never know who's going to be involved or who's going to say what. And unfortunately, as a brand, you, you can't control that. But um, it's a, a risk you take. And as like I say, as long as you've done the, the research beforehand and you know who you're aligning yourself with, that yeah, should provide some comfort in your, your influencer choice. Because you've obviously been in the influencer marketing game for a very long time. What are those myths about the industry that you still see making the rounds that you just kind of shake your head at? I would probably say there's about three myths. I think the first one is that um, influencer campaigns, it's all about the, the influencer's audience size. It's not. Um, so obviously we have different levels and tiers of influencers that you can work with. So whether you're working with celebs, 
macro influencers, micro influencers, nano influencers, they each have a place, they each have a purpose, and um, they can each deliver results in different ways. So I think that's probably the one thing for me is that it's not just about having millions of followers. It's about being trusted, being seen as somebody who consumers can look to and trust what they say. It's being able to influence people. It's also being able to drive engagement for the brand. So I think that's probably one is just all about how many followers you have. And it's, yeah. it's really not. It really isn't. It isn't. And it, it kills me because I always feel like there's a big difference between being influential and being popular as well at times. Yeah. And we need to really consider that when you're looking at who to put on your campaign, right? Mm. Also work backwards. What do you want to achieve? What exactly. would be base? Would it be a nano? Would it be a smaller, a micro? You first need to know what you want to achieve, what your messaging is, who you're speaking to, and then we start looking at names of people. Exactly, exactly. And like I say, every type of influencer has a place. They have a Absolutely. role to play. Um, we've worked on some campaigns where we've had a mix. So we've had some celebs, we've had some macros, some micros, some nanos. We've worked on some campaigns where it's just been nanos. Um, so it really, like you say, does come down to what what is the objective? What is the message? What are you trying to achieve? And who's going to be best suited to help you achieve that? It could be a mix. It could just be one type of influencer, but I think each influencer has a place and a role to play. And it's not just about working with influencers with millions of followers, because they may not be able to help you achieve what you're trying to achieve on a certain campaign. 100% um, agree. Yeah, and then I think probably the the other two myths for me is that it's expensive. Um, I think that that's something that I, I've heard as well. It's yeah. just, oh, we can't work with, ex with influencers. They're so expensive. Yes, some of them can be costly. It can get expensive if you're working with certain tiers of influencers. But I mean, we've run campaigns where budgets have uh, varied from small budgets to bigger budgets, and we've still been able to make it work. We've still been able to deliver good results. So we really can run influencer campaigns on different budgets um, and at different scales. So I, I don't think it's something that should be seen as, oh, it's expensive, it's gonna cost so much money. Again, coming down to your objectives and what it is you're wanting to achieve and how much you have to spend. I think we, we can make it work depending on the size of the campaign. Um, and then lastly, probably measurement. And the myth there is that uh, we can't measure what we're doing. We, we can't measure the campaign. And you absolutely can. Um, like I mentioned earlier, with, with all our campaigns, we approach them as it's a media channel. So we're able to measure what was your uh, cost per engagement? What was your view through rate on, on this influencer's videos? Uh, what was your cost per lead or your cost per click or, or whatever the case is? Um, we are able to measure those things. So we can absolutely measure how well a campaign has done. We've come so far just in the last couple of years when it comes to measurement. Um, like you say, back in the day, we would have had to rely on this organic influencer stats and, and just look at reach and engagement. Now we can literally tell you how many people have clicked through to where you want them to yeah. go if we had sales from that person views all of that so absolutely measurement's a big part of it now from your first involvement in influencer campaigns up to kind of your latest do you have a couple of big learnings that you can share with us uh, definitely. I think you mentioned it earlier and probably uh, something that's uh, super important for me is making sure you have a solid brief. 
So making sure that when you brief influencers, you are 100% clear on what it is that you want influencers to do, how you want them to do it, the message that they need to communicate. So really making sure that you have a solid, clear, thorough brief, but also allowing that creative freedom. So also allowing for that uh, authenticity and that realness um, and making sure that the influencers are still allowed to create content uh, that fits their brand and, and aligns to, to them. But just a solid brief. I think my, my learning there is if your brief is, is solid and clear and you communicate exactly what it is that you, you need or you want, uh, you'll bring down the amount of reverts uh, that you have on the different types of or, or on the content that they create. And yeah, if you have a solid brief, you're, you're more than likely going to, to get what you want from the influencers first time around. So I really think a, a a great brief is probably the the most important thing and the biggest learning that I've had um, over the last couple of years. I think also being willing to try different things, not being scared to experiment with different types of content and formats. So if you want to try reels, try reels. Partner with some creators and influencers that can do that for you. If you want to try stories, if you want to try uh, TikTok, I think it's it's not being afraid to experiment and to try different things. Obviously, making sure that it aligns to the brand and the brand uh, objectives and what you're trying to achieve in your campaign. But I think it's just not being scared to try different things and being open to what those results are and seeing what the results are and whether you, you want to do that again going forward for future campaigns. So I would say those are probably the, the two biggest learnings for me that I can think of right now. I think those are actually very, very great. And I think if anyone's listening who's thinking of going into influence marketing or you're very new in it, those are really good tips to actually keep in mind. So thank you for that. So that brings us to the end of our chat today, Kiss. And thank you again so much for well, to share your insights and your wisdom with us. But before we go, please let us know where our listeners can find you online if they want to learn more about you. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I really enjoyed having the, this conversation with you today. It was really great. Uh, if people want to find me, probably I would say LinkedIn's probably the best platform. And there you can find me. It's just Kirsten Wiggle. Um, I'm also on Instagram um, and there my handle is cursed underscore Lee, which is L-E-I-G-H. And then if anybody wants to maybe get in touch with me, um, I'm happy to also provide my email address, which is Kirsten, uh, full stop, wiggle at mediacom.com. Wonderful. Thanks again, Kirsten. Have a fantastic day. Thanks so much, Anne, and you too. Bye. Bye. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.